Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician and composer. Each season of Dissect dives deep into a single album, forensically dissecting the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. Our newest season is covering Tyler the Creator's Igor, a beautifully honest album in which Tyler explores love, communication, masculinity, and truth. Listen to Dissect today only on Spotify, because great art deserves more than a swipe. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Colob and Quench the Week, Kaz. What's good, Dave? Better customized world championship belt. MJF's new BBB Big Burberry belt or John Cena's spinner belt? <laughs> okay, okay. I have, I, have, I, have, I have a take, right? Okay, we're, we're coming in hot today. <laughs> <laughs> I see what MJF was doing. And in theory, I should enjoy the Burberry belt more. But the Burberry design is so subtle with that leather, you almost can't even really tell that it's customized, right? Like, if you're going to customize, you got to customize it, right? And I almost feel bad that MJF's whole thing has been Burberry scarves. Like, if his whole thing was, like, Fendi scarves or, like, Gucci scarves, yeah, like, a Gucci belt title or a Fendi print title would pop out like crazy and it would be fire. So in that case, I mean, I, I guess I got to go with the spinner belt because when John Cena went, went custom, he went all the way. Like, he went all, like, you can't even comprehend the level of disgust that that spinner title meant. But now we look at it, back at it with reference. But like, yo, but that was the error. That was John Cena's belt. I feel like MJF should have went more gouty with it, right? Like, the, the, the Burberry's yeah, too okay. subtle. But you know, so it's, I know that I'm probably in the minority on this. But the past couple of months, I've been thinking, man, when MJF gets that title, gets the title, maybe he can finally get rid of the Burberry. Like maybe he can just evolve. <laughs> maybe he can evolve past the dude who's just trying to like show off his wealth by dint of a scarf, you know? Said, and like, nah, it's son, not, we gonna triple and look, down. And, and 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 not for nothing, but like his the t-shirts with that pattern on it, they don't do it for me. Again, this is just my opinion, but like when he when he has like the Burberry pattern behind the words on a t-shirt, it looks like a <laughs> like a weird like 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 uh like 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 sorority dance t-shirt or something that yeah. like I'm not invited to. Anyway, uh, I'm not I, but I so I like how tasteful it was, all things considered. I almost think keeping the Burberry around was justified just because I like that belt. The spinner belt, hated, hated, hated at the time, but you're right. You see some people wearing it in the crowd now. You kind of like it. But you know what? Nothing, nothing holds a candle 
to all those like ultimate warrior colored leather belts back in the day. Hey. Simple. All you do is change the color of the leather. Little and then, then the Sa Sergeant Slaughter had like the, the camouflage leather, the military. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I think you did. So that's sort of an interesting. My, my only here. thing is, I don't think, I don't know if MJF went to, um, um, I don't know the guy's name, but I'm just going to assume his name is like Harold F. Burberry. <laughs> like go to the official the is, it, is he officially sponsored by Burberry? I, I don't know. I I don't I wouldn't think so. I feel like, you know, Burberry's Burberry's had better days. This might be like the best PR they've gotten in a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like MJ, MJF is holding the Burberry torch high and, and keeping it high and burning for all those in the mid-2010s who stopped wearing Burberry. I love MJF. <laughs> I love what's going on here. Yes. I just kind of feel, and and I get the, and listen, you, uh, everything I said doesn't discount the fact that the Burberry is sort of an fu to everybody, even if you yes. hate it, like I do. It's so that makes it more of an fu. I just think, like, if you really want to be saying fu with your title belt, why not just make it, you know, like uh, like uh, neon green and pink or something, you know? Just be like, <laughs> I don't. Or or if you want to be better than Bruno San Martino, just keep it black because you want to be a champ. You want to be a classic. You want to be a legend. Anyway, let's start the show. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WB superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening you're to listening to and you are listening to the and you're listening, you're listening to You are listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz on Thursday. How you doing, man? Doing good, brother. How about yourself, man? I'm good. We're sitting here just chatting with Kern before the show started. We got some big stuff to talk about. I know they touched on a lot of this on the uh, Cheap Heap podcast this week. Yes. yes. Um, so I want to talk about Sami Zayn. I want to talk about Kevin Owens slapping Roman Reigns, little Survivor Series War Games fallout. Before we get there, let's keep talking about MJF. Uh, AEW Dynamite was last night. A couple of things worth mentioning. But the big note was that MJF cut another mind-bendingly good promo that culminated in him turning on William Regal, which is a big moment, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, all of this happened uh, to a very uncertain response from the crowd. Now, this is not just a setup to shit on the segment, because let me say this. I think I said this last week. Yeah. MJF, like, it has gotten to the point where like, it is head scratching. It is mind blowing that every time he picks up a microphone, mm. it's like, what was the movie where the dude, uh, where like the, the dude played all the, like uh, pretended he wrote all the Beatles songs. Cause like it alternate reality where the <laughs> oh, Beatles didn't yes. exist. Yes, yes. I think I forgot. I know exactly yesterday. what we were talking it was about. Called yesterday. yesterday. Yes, 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 yes. MJF okay. is like the dude in yesterday. Like there was an entire alternate reality where the greatest talker in wrestling history had like a 30 year career and now he's wiped from history and MJF is just playing a new hit single every single time he picks up a microphone. Mm. That's how good this is, right? Mm. I don't, I, I can't wrap my head around it. But I also, more importantly, at this moment, am mind boggled by the fact that the crowd doesn't know what to do. Now, there's a couple of options here. 
And I, I got to get your opinion. Is it one, they just wanted to be a baby face so bad that him playing heel isn't working? Is it two, that we just, that he's too good of a heel and the crowd is like sitting on their hands out of disgust? Or is it <laughs> three, some combination of the two, uh, that we just don't know what the story they're telling is like, and, and the crowd doesn't know quite how to respond. What, what do you think the crowd is doing here? Uh, I think, I think what MJF is doing is trying to take his character and I guess just the idea of heels and bad guys and him owning, like I'm the devil, like the, the, the yeah. devil is whatever. Like, I think it's him trying to own it as much as possible and redefine what it means to be not just a heel, but a heel that's so beloved that the more terrible things you do, the more a crowd like the AEW hardcores love you. Um, I think the setup was brilliant, right? Because last week, Dynamite kicks off with uh, William Regal pretty much you know, singing the praises of his new protege, MJF. Uh, Mox comes out and, you know, brilliant storytelling. And Mox comes out ready to get his comeuppance and and beat the hell out of William Regal for turning on him, whatever. And then here comes Brian Danielson pleading on his knees, begging his, his brother in arms, like, please don't harm him. I know what he did was terrible. I know you're my friend, and he cost you the one thing that means everything to you, the world championship. But this guy is kind of like a father figure to me. He made me understand, like, the life of my own father or whatever. And as terrible as this person is, he's got bleeding in his brain happening any moment. Like, one shot can legitimately kill this man, right? So as terrible as this person is and as awful as what this person did, please just spare his life is basically what he said. Spare his life. <laughs> and then Mox hit him with the scar and said, run away and never return on, on some Lion King shit. And then he fast forward a week later and he's back and he's got the protection of his protege. And I think all this was done to pretty much lean into more of the fact that as bad as you think these people are, Nobody is worse than MJF. Yeah. His own mom hates him. His own okay. family, like everybody hates now listen, this guy. I, I get I get it. I get it. I, and I and I and I I agree in principle that I do think that's where they're trying to go. And and I also agree furthermore, or believe furthermore, that it's the right idea. <clears throat> I also think this conversation, or at least my half of it's gonna sound pretty meaningless in a few weeks if everybody's just booing him relentlessly everywhere <laughs> it goes. Yeah, yeah. But I do think there's this weird tension now where Yes, how can you be the worst heel in the world? And it's not that it's not that people are cheering him because that would be one thing. Right. You're you're not going to you're not going to talk me into into buying that that the goal of the modern postmodern heel in pro wrestling is to get go away heat, right? <laughs> the the goal right. is not to the goal is not to have people sitting on their hands perplexed. Now, when I was Doing like I did like a you know I, t- I used to do this TV podcast 
uh, I mean, we see about Westworld and and okay. coined this phrase. So pseudo coined this phrase. Okay, well, like in books, there's this concept of the unreliability of the narrator, right? Like sometimes if like the person telling the story, the first person character is like inherently full of shit, that it makes it then you per- have to perceive the book in a different way, right? Yes, yes. So when I was talking about Westworld and other shows, I always talk about this concept of like the unreliability of the showrunner, where like if it, like sometimes they try to get too cute, and if you don't actually know what the I, what, what they're trying to convey here. I'm not sure if that guy was supposed to be smiling slightly as this as the camera cut away or if that was a weird twitch. You're actually doing a disservice to the fan because they don't trust you to know what you're doing sometimes. And I don't think this is a total unreliability of the promoter or of the you know of the wrestler situation, but I do think that like fans don't know what's going on right now. And I honestly, I don't think I said this on the show, but I had it written down to say I said as soon as uh, to myself as soon as MJF wins this title if he go if he if he does it as a heel he's going to start getting booed because fans respect him enough as a performer in the Paul Heyman way to, to, boo, to, to, to boo you even though we love you play your part and and yeah. yet they're not booing him and I think part of that is because he gets out there and he's so still damn likable <laughs> but also part of it is because I mean Listen, the, the segment ended with him taking out Regal, who's a heel. So right, like, right. That, when a wrestler beats up his manager, his heel <laughs> manager, usually that wrestler is turning face. You know, yeah. I mean, the whole, there's all of these sort of mixed signals. I think that once they find their footing, it's not, I don't think the fans are going to be that perplexed. But I will say this. If they can, if this continues, it one, makes for a very bizarre viewing experience. And two, and this is where I want to make it, this is, where you all realize this isn't just a shit on this on this episode fest. This may define MJF as a generational talent more than anything else. Mm. Because mm. for better or worse, he defies everything that I know how to put into words about professional wrestling. Yes. If that's, this is that's where, where I was going if with If this it. is where we are in 3 months, it's going to be really weird. And one of the most exceptional things I've ever seen. I'll put it like this, and 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 you're you're kind of on the same sort of wavelength I am with this whole MJF thing, right? I think in my heart of hearts, MJF is truly trying to get booed. Like I think he's truly trying his mm. best to do despicable things so people can hate him. But I think that variable here that we aren't really discussing is like. The AEW fan base and the AEW yeah. crowd, it's well, such a weird fan base, right? Okay. Like, this is the same crowd that, like, booed Cody Rhodes when he was, like, as white meat as white meat can be. Booed Punk, went from crying for Punk when he returns to fuck you CM Punk chants to, you know, like, they're just a very unpredictable fan base. And I think, to MJF's credit, He's doing what he can to ride whatever wave of reaction okay. that that crowd gives him. I agree I think, with you that he's trying to get booed and and then yeah. make another to make it to, to 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 drag in another tortured reference. Yes, like when I'm doing this, it's very personal that no one else will care about. When I'm doing when, when I when I'm telling somebody about art, right? Because I did the art direction and design for for the Ringer.com. We have a big great team; they're wonderful people. But when people are just like like trying to do art or trying to write and people are looking for advice. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone says make up your own style. No, 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 no. I say copy people you admire, just fucking copy them. Because <laughs> you know what? You're not gonna be able to copy them. And yep. what you and what you end up with might actually be your own thing. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you trace a fucking Rembrandt. I'm saying look at the Rembrandt on, and then close the screen and do it yourself, and it'll be your own thing. Right? A, a, a really good that, example is yeah. is a rapper. A rapper, the game. Uh, Dave, you're you're a yeah. hip hop historian. We could we could we could talk rap all day. Oh. Uh, the game uh, who was you know was signed to June at one point. Very popular West Coast uh-huh. rapper uh, was extremely ex- extremely talented MC. Right, uh-huh. like could put words together. Extremely prolific. Put a lot of albums together. And when it comes to West Coast artists, depending on who you ask, might be one of the most prolific we've ever seen coming from LA, right? But he got a lot of notoriety from being really good at sounding like other people. Like he became really good at copying flows, copying cadences, uh, even like legitimately, like he will take, if he's on a song with you, like it's almost like his goal to like, not just do your flow or do your style of of of, mm-hmm. of rapping, but almost emulate it better than you can. Yeah. And he's done it so much that it went to, you know, now it's at a point where if you're a game fan, like that's game style. It's not, oh, game is good at rapping like Drake on Drake records or rapping like Ross on Rick Ross records or rapping like Lil Wayne when he's on a track of Lil Uh Wayne or Kendrick or whatever. Now it's, no, that's just game style. And you know when he's on a song with somebody, that's what's going to come out. This is all to say, I think MJF is trying to get booed. I think MJF is trying to be the best version of all of his historical wrestling heel idols, right? I think he's trying to do that. And I think just like these artists that we're talking about, what he's making is something different. And I think it's going to take a while for either A, the fans to catch up, or B, us to, uh, the, either the fans to catch up in their, the way they react and adjust to whatever, this is the new normal, or we have to adjust to these new crowd reactions because it's it's very bizarre. The one thing I want to talk about as we spin out of this is that Regal gets put down and at the end, and and it seems to be, according to Dave Meltzer, this is Regal's sort of farewell. Now, I don't want to adjudicate the wisdom of using Regal in this spot at the pay-per-view and now if he's really on his way out the door. But it is, there's this, the story is basically that that right after full gear, Meltzer reported that, that, that Regal's one-year deal with AEW was coming up. And then he had to correct it saying... Oh no, when Regal signed, he said he signed a three-year deal, but he didn't say really, he didn't give any more details beyond that. And then he gets beaten up on Monday and now, and Meltzer says, why why would you use him in this spot if he's on the way out the door? I think if you read between the lines, even before we saw what we saw in Dynamite, it sure felt like Meltzer got word that Regal was on his way back to WWE. And then confronted with with the evidence of Regal's contract, you know, contract at the time, you know, when he signed, had to sort of backtrack and stipulate a little bit, but he didn't really change the story that Regal's somehow on his way back to WWE, either Tony Khan's letting him have his deal or Regal's whatever. Um, if Regal's leaving to work in the office and not be an on-screen performer, maybe that just is totally allowable under the terms of the contract. You know, I mean, like you're allowed to quit your job. 
You know, and that's, that's right. a thing you can do. If I wanted to quit doing podcasts and go pump gas, there's nothing my Spotify <laughs> contract could do to stop me. Mm. Um, so whatever. So maybe, so, it, but it does seem like he's on his way back to WWE, which is a great get for WWE and their national, their, their international expansion and blah, blah, blah. Huh. But huh. uh, it is strange, right? I mean, that's, that is, is this a farewell? That is, that is... Yeah, you're you're hitting me with some new information I did not see. Like I did not put together at all because, like, okay. So if Regal is, if this is Regal's farewell, if he is being written off of AEW television, kind of seems like the Blackpool Combat Club is starting to sort of disintegrate mm -hmm. um, with Cesaro and Wheeler, and Brian Mox, and all these things. It's very interesting. Because William Regal, outside of, I guess, Dusty Rhodes and, um, God, I forget his name, the former Lord Tensai. What's his name again? Matt Bloom. Matt uh, Bloom, right? Yeah. Like, those were like, that was like the holy trinity of like that class of NXT that basically launched the AEW, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah. that's basically the three, those are basically the three people who, like, ushered in this class of NXT that ended up, you know, creating this incredible generation of pro wrestling that we're in where we have two viable North American wrestling companies for the first time in, like, 30 years. Sure. And I remember watching an interview with Samoa Joe, and I think he almost doubled down on it on the, on the press conference. I think uh, Danielle from Fightful... Uh, uh, had him on the on the on the press conference. He basically said, you know, when he got fired twice from WWE, he knew the writing was on the wall when Regal uh, was let go. Um, so if Regal is indeed coming back to WWE, and uh, it re like it's really interesting to see what these next wave of contract negotiations with many other talents between AEW and WWE is going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, can I jump? Okay, let me let me say this. There's also yeah. this, this separate thing where, I'm sorry, I did not watch the interview. Uh, I think it was Fightful as well, but where Dax Harwood said that he, un he was under the impression that their contracts were up in, what, April of next year? Um, mm. And that they were talking about taking a year off to work the indies and international things or whatever, mm -hmm. which a sounds a whole lot like contract negotiations, right? This is the, <laughs> this is the old Charles Barkley. Well, I might just retire and then yeah. they offer him a hundred million dollars or whatever to stay. <laughs> um, but there've been rumblings for a long time that FTR were, you know, loved by triple H and wouldn't mind working for him again. You know, FTR is notoriously sort of hard to read, very, very open, very, very much in the news, always a little bit ambiguous in terms of what's going on. But um, it wouldn't shock me to see them go back to WWE at this point. And I wonder, as much as we talked at the beginning of the Triple H era about how much it was, how much AEW stood to lose in terms of on-screen, in-ring product with somebody mm -hmm. new in charge of, you know, they, they lose their differentiators Mm -hmm. By having when 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 different people are running the show at WWE, it might be a bigger deal if they lose if you know you lose Regal and you lose FTR, you start losing like the serious pro wrestler cred, yeah. right? Like the backstage cred. Now, not that they don't have cred, but that just the 
if you're a guy coming up on the indies, or if you're a guy who wants to be a real serious wrestler, if you're a guy who loves Bret Hart, John Snowden had that great Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels piece about how they, on the ringer.com, about how the, the sort of generation of wrestlers are either Bret Hart guys or Shawn guys. If you grow up, a, if you're a Bret guy, if you're a Sean guy, you're probably going WWE anyway, but who knows? There's more flippy guys in AEW, so maybe that's <laughs> not true. But if you're a Brett guy now, damn, you're really looking at, is FTR back in WWE? Is Regal back in WWE? I want to be a real serious, like, indie rock wrestler. That's a big deal. Man, I mean, I feel like if there's any act out there that would um, embrace being those indie rock stars again, it probably would be FTR. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they were like, yeah, like, we'll yeah. sign to do, we want to be able to do all these other, you know, promotions, but we'll, we'll do like a one-off and like work the Usos. Dude, I like understand why. I, yes, <laughs> yeah. and I, I understand why that doesn't work for mm-hmm. big-time promoters. It worked for Tony Khan and works for him up to a point, you know, but right. clearly not. You know, he, he's Moxley's new deal means that he's not working outside AEW as much as he did before, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the tag, mm-hmm. I understand why that doesn't work for WWE, right? They want to be able to sell all of their wrestlers' freaking, you know, organs to Peacock right. or whatever. <laughs> but but in the tag ranks, it kind of works. It's like, you know, the Road Warrior pops that people always talk about. A lot of the Road Warriors' appeal for years was that they were like, traveling preachers right they were itinerant yeah. they would like they would they would show up and wrestle and then they would go to the next territory there it's the territory days yeah you get yeah. that if you, so yeah if you have a big show it's like what are we gonna do with the title belts at SummerSlam? and then all of a sudden these two you know these these two white dudes that have like 16 title belts just walk in and they're just like <laughs> all right we got you like that's yeah. that's a that's really cool that is really cool and i i feel like those two guys man are such purists in the, mm-hmm. in the in the in the best sense of the word when it comes to professional wrestling that it wouldn't shock me whatever they decide like it wouldn't shock me if they signed the moxley deal where they're going to be straight up aw guys and they're going to be yeah. leaning into to doing more stuff there but it also wouldn't shock me if they were like you know what we've won every title in aw already we've kind of worked everybody already that we yeah. wanted to now you know there's as much as you want to call yourself the greatest tag team in the world, which you absolutely have a claim to, as a creative, as a performer, the last thing you want to do or the next thing you want to do is work another tag team who can lay, legitimately lay stakes to that claim. And right now it's the Usos. Yeah. You know, and if you've been it's having true. talks with these guys that, like, hey, you know, that's a nice little piece of bait to hang over somebody. Be like, hey, you know, we're going to bring you back. We're going to pay you a bunch of money. And here's this historic title reign you could possibly yeah. end if you really well, sure. want to uh, cement yourself in the history books, you know? but It's weird, man. When they came to AEW originally, I was a little bit on the fence about their significance at that moment, right? People were talking about them like the best, they're the best living tag team. And I was just like... Okay, well let's wrestle let's let's wrestle some big matches on national television before we get mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. But man, mm-hmm. they've proved it every inch. And it but undeniably there's some weird tension in the air. Why are they not being used more? Like whatever. I mean, maybe it's part of the ever evolving changing and creative at AEW because of injuries and whatever else, but it sure seems like there's a little bit of weirdness going on. And who knows? So anything's possible. 
This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Okay, let's take a quick turn. And uh, before we get to this new segment, I like to call One Wrestler, One Take. Thank you, uh, Ringer NBA Show, for the inspiration. Um, I want to talk really briefly about this Kevin Owens. Speaking of incredible indie, world-renowned wrestlers that are getting a shot at the very top, there is this like beef, the rumor of a beef coming out of War Games because Kevin Owens apparently, not apparently, we all saw the video, he slapped Roman Reigns so hard across the face or ear, um, either to an unexpected degree, unexpectedly hard, unexpected or totally unexpectedly, that it effed Roman up and left Roman screaming you about the during and after the match, like questioning his ability to work. Um, and then there was some talk that he was going to be yanked out from a future title shot uh, at the Rumble, uh, and that they were going to replace him with Sheamus. It seems after a Monday Night Raw that we're back on track for Kevin Owens being the top guy in terms of who's taking on um, the bloodline right now. Yeah. And it yeah. does line up with the stuff we talked about, like eventually Sammy's going to turn and maybe we'll get Sammy and Kevin versus the Usos at WrestleMania, which would free up Roman to do his own thing. Um, I don't really know what to say about it beyond that, but I'll just ask you this. Do you see Kevin Owens? I mean, I think if this is true, Kevin Owens is a top guy, not just because the way he's been being positioned, but because of the way he just escaped that rap, got out of that beef with Roman Scott Free. There yeah. was a rumor that Triple H had them hash it out in the locker room as soon yeah, as he saw that it was same, a thing. Same and, I heard, yeah. And that's, first of all, I mean, it's good management and whatever else, but it also shows you, you know, the level of significance of Kevin Owens that that Triple H, whatever else, had, I mean, it certainly had to be like, this is the plan. Like, mm -hmm. this is the only guy that's going to get you to the next thing with mm -hmm. Sammy, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, to the next level. So what do you think? Is Kevin Owens that guy? I think yeah. yes, but I want to talk about it. 1,000%. Um, again, kudos to Triple H, man, because this is another thing where it's like, 
it, it makes so much more of a difference. Um, and I could only imagine, you know, only because like I could only compare it to other sports, right? Like when you're a disgruntled quarterback or you're a disgruntled point guard and, you know, you're Luka Doncic and I know you're a Mavericks fan and you're, 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 you're struggling, you're putting up MVP numbers and you can't get above 500 and your head coach is Jason Kidd who's been in the trenches, who knows what it's like to, to not just be an NBA player, but be a lead guard and be one of the best lead guards in the mm-hmm. NBA, you know? So there's some, there's, there's definitely, if, if what I was told and what's being reported is true, that yes, there was a blow up between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns and Triple H did sort of have to go in there and mediate and, and, and hash it out. That's something that could have changed the trajectory of Kevin Owens for negative, right? If it was handled sure. by probably anybody else. Uh, the fact that it is Triple H, a guy who is, at the end of the day, one of the boys, you know, and and knows what it's like and understands, like, hey, sometimes shit happens over here and understand, like, hey, you know what? Get what you got to get out. Get it mad. Be upset. You know what I mean? Do what you got to do. Hash it out. But this is the way we're going. You know what I mean? And um, they're all pros. And... I think, given by the evidence on Monday Night Raw, uh, I still think they're either on the way to uh, a, a Kevin Owens, Sheamus, Sammy sort of trilogy before we get to whatever we do at WrestleMania, whether that be a returning Cody Rhodes or The Rock or whatever. Um, I think it got Kevin Owens in the, in the perfect spot because, yeah, getting slapped across the face and busting your eardrum is going to piss you off, but... It's almost abhorrent to, you know, assume Kevin Owens is anything but professional. He's the most professional, right? Like, he is, you know, he's probably one of the most trusted hands in the world. Like, he's been trusted with Vince, his body. He's been trusted with a returning Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's been trusted with a ton of people. Um, Him being... I, I don't like I don't like a narrative being out there that he was possibly unsafe. Hey man, shit happens out there, and it's okay. And I'm glad they got over it, and I'm glad that it still yeah. seems like oh, Kevin Owens is still gonna be the 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 antagonist to this uh, bloodline story. So, um, very interesting development, though, man. And uh, I'm glad it you know hopefully it seems to all got, got gotten worked out. This should have been my cold open question of the week. If Kerm was messing around and slapped you across the face hard enough to bust your eardrum and then didn't apo- and then refused to apologize. Yeah. It's just like, dude, it was I was messing around. What am I supposed yeah. to apologize for? Would you be able to work with him? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Kerm Kerm going to have to give me 3 minutes, bro. You got to <laughs> give me 3 minutes, bro. Like, you know, we got to go somewhere quiet. With no cameras, nobody around, and we're going to need three minutes. We're either going to talk it out or we're going to fight it out. And someone's <laughs> going to have to bust the door open and, and stop us. But if you slap oh. me across the eardrum and say it's my fault and I'm being a bitch about it, I'm like, all right, we're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need, we're going to need to square dance for at least three minutes for a little bit. <laughs> Just okay. a little bit. Kerm, you, know? you don't have to respond to that, but I want to invite Kerm in because we got a new segment <laughs> called One Wrestler, One Take. And here's how it's going to work Kerm is going to pick a wrestler's name at random from a pre-selected list (laughs) and one of us is going to have to deliver the most scorching hot of hot takes that we can possibly it doesn't have to be that hot but just a very definitive opinion about that wrestler we might discuss briefly or we might just leave it at the take you guys can do with it what you will so let's begin now kerm 
please uh, tell us who the first name is. I guess, yeah, and and, and we'll take turns. We're not going to both give takes. So first name, you can, Kerm, you tell us who it is and, who, and, and who's given the take. Uh, we'll start off since we were just talking about the bloodline and uh, Kevin Owens. Let's start with... A hot name right now and Sammy Zayn. All right, who do you want to give the take? Um, I'll go Dave since Kaz just threatened to fight me for three minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the old, the old three Listen, minute one. 90, 90 seconds of those three minutes could have been a conversation. It depends how Fair. you took it. Curve. <laughs> <laughs> Run out the clock. All right, here we go. This is my one wrestler, one take on Sammy Zayn. Sammy Zayn. Might be the most over guy in wrestling right now. And El Generico would still be more over. Oh, I like that. I was almost about to say that's not that much of a hot take, but boy. If you well, we to, were talking so about whether or not it was beyond the unpc over the unpc edge some months ago. I still think, man, you look back, some of the greatest, one of the greatest repeated gimmicks in pro wrestling history is yeah. dude gets suspended and comes back with a mask, mm. right? Yellow Dog, Uvalde Slim. I mean, there, there, there's there's so many of these. A Midnight Rider, I think, was when I actually yeah. watched in real time. Dude, if Roman Reigns flexes his muscles or, or you know, Triple H gets whatever, we're going to do it to get Sami Zayn suspended from wrestling, I don't. I'm not 100. percent I am there with what you said on Monday's show about Sami Zayn being so over. We might have to rethink the direction yeah. and whether this Rock thing is going to happen. I'm not 100 percent there on Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns in the main event at WrestleMania. I'm there with Roman Reigns versus El Generico in the main event at WrestleMania. El Generico is one of the most beloved characters in pro wrestling history. That's never stepped foot. In WWE, to the point that to this day, even though El Generico has never stepped in a WWE ring, he still gets Olay chance wherever he goes. I know. If there's ever they, a time, they even chant Olay at soccer games now because of El Generico. That's I know. Crazy. I mean, it's it's insane that he's that he's become this popular. Uh, El Generico is one of my favorite characters of all time, and if there's a way. That Sami Zayn is so over that he's like, yo, you know what? I want to I want to do it one more time. I want to, li- man, listen. We spoke about it, but I'll just put it out there. Fuck it, because Triple H talked about it at the press conference. Let's just let's just let's just ghost write this 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 storyline. The rumor is there's going to be a big stadium show in Puerto Rico ahead of WrestleMania. Headlined by one bad bunny, Rey Mysterio and Dominic. Are you breaking Mysterio. news right now? This is I not the news breaking segment of the show, but we I can might go be, with it. All right. I might be breaking some news, but who knows? But this the streets hey, is bad talking. bunny bad bunny versus Mysterio or bad bunny it's, and Ray versus I don't know. It's either, Dominic it's either, and something. I'm hearing I'm hearing oh, it's Dominic, gonna be Do- Dominic and Priest. That is a I'm perfect- hearing yes, I'm hearing Dominic and Priest versus Bad Bunny and Ray. At, at, at the Puerto Rico show uh, in the stadium. Um, it might be a little bit of a hiccup because Ray is legitimately hurt. Um, and what I'm also hearing is that is eventually going to lead to Bad Bunny Dominic at WrestleMania. 
Um, that being said, yeah, all right. That being said, El Generico was last seen in a, in a Mexican orphanage, um, helping the True. kids. Right. Mexico is a little bit of a stone's throw away from Puerto Rico, right? He's gonna <laughs> like, take, like take a boat or something. <laughs> if there is anybody who could roll up <laughs> into Puerto Rico, dude, your first big pay-per-view stadium show saying ole 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 play bouncing souls, go get go get the the you know, go get the the, the, the well the licensing for bouncing souls, ole. You think it could be him? I think it could be. I, mean, I think he'd probably get a even, even despite it being in Puerto Rico. I think he'd probably <laughs> even get a better action uh, reaction in Montreal when they go there for elimination chamber. But we'll either see. way, that's, either that's just way. a hot take. All right, let's go to the next. Let's go to the next one yes. wrestler. One take. Kerm, go. All right, next one for Kaz. Since we, were, you know, the other big story of the day we were talking about, you got MJF. What's your take? MJF. Okay. My hot take on MJF is, one, he's not going anywhere. I don't think he's ever going to go be, be in WWE. I think this is... Ever. A, ever. I think this is nothing more than, like I said earlier, MJF doing everything he possibly can to make him hated in that company. Um, but I don't believe... The, the, the bidding war of 2024 is happening. I don't believe he's going anywhere. I think he is the franchise player of that company. And this upcoming title run is only going to solidify that Tony Khan would rather walk on hot coals <laughs> and swallow yeah. those hot coals afterwards than let MJF go to WWE after what he's about to do right now. He's got a movie coming out with A24 playing uh, one of the Von Erics or the fake Von Erics or whatever. He is your world champion. He now has his customized belt. And as much as we like to believe, we know all about the ins and outs of contract negotiations with professional wrestlers and all that type of stuff. I'm willing to, to, to bet my pinky toe that the man is signed Way past 2024. And he's presently In signed past 2024 or he's yes. going to stay there past 2024? I think he is currently signed. I think if I, uh, this is my hot take right here. Yeah, I don't I believe, I don't believe for a second he's ever going to go to WWE. I think Here's he knows. The thing, he undeniably dreamed of going to WWE as a child or whatever, right? For sure. And I, I, I like your take that he's actually under a longer term contract and they're keeping it under wraps. But, He's still got to worry. I mean, it's like even if now he's cool with being an AEW, mm-hmm. uh, our formative things are still big, right? It's like if you grew up watching Michael Jordan and you get the chance to leave your team to play for the Bulls, you might take the chance. Or like if you, what? I'm, what what's a good example? If like Kerm, if you like, if you like, if had a crush on your girlfriend's best friend before you, Don't before do this. you, oh, no, 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 not you. I'm Whoa. saying with one, I had a crush I, on their girlfriend's best friend before, but it's fine. You're comfortable. You like you prefer the girlfriend now, like mm-hmm. whatever, like by a mile. If if you're open about it, for one thing, the only really the only way through it is to sort of be straight about it and joke about it and whatever else, right? But also. It's not like your girlfriend's not going to be thinking about that you know, right now and then, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's something to look out for. 
That's something to look out for. I hope I'm not like alienating all of our listeners who've never had a girlfriend. Uh, 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 yeah. whoa, before before whoa. we get to our, before we get to our next one, uh, I just want to say, baby, I love you. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, Good man, right there, Kerm. Good man. <laughs> Uh, Were you talking to your girlfriend or Rhea Ripley just then? Hey, whoa, 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 Dave, Dave, you already, you already put me in the doghouse, dog. Um, so next (laughs) on our list for Dave. Uh, this gentleman just got his first pay-per-view win in like two years. Crazy. Uh, what's your take on AJ Styles, man? Okay. Um, AJ, okay. AJ Styles, somebody I've gone to bat for numerous times as, as, as he should be the new Mr. WrestleMania. They should build, I mean, you know, WrestleMania matches. They should have been doing it for years. Now it's a little bit late, but they should build his WrestleMania feud every year about who wants to have the best match at WrestleMania. Right. Um, that said, I was rewatching Survivor Series and I know it wasn't like the main event or whatever, but here's the hot take. His match with Finn at Survivor Series should have been way better. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Now listen, I like I like that match. Get, That's all I'm gonna say. No, nah, it's a good match. And then you take what you get in terms of what the producers want you it's to definitely do not a and bad how much match. time that you're given. It's not a bad match at all. But there comes a point where two guys like that, who I have so much faith and confidence in, get in the ring together and I'm not okay with like that was a good match. So here's you know? the thing. Somebody somebody mentioned this to me in my Twitter timeline that uh AJ Styles is older than Shawn Michaels was when he retired and he's still kind of going, right? So I could give him respect for that. But like you said, you feel like AJ Styles should be Mr. WrestleMania. He should be the guy that, like, yo, you want to have the show stealing, you know, barn burner. Fuck a storyline. We're just going to mm-hmm. get me and like the best wrestler or the best wrestling match we can possibly have. And we're just going to fucking blow, blow it out. Right. Yeah. I think I have an even hotter take for your On AJ, AJ Styles. Wow. Yeah. Yo, I think I, think I, I have a hotter this take. Is going. This is exactly why guys that were born in the Indies. And guys that know the WWE style are completely different people. I've always felt for a long time, I understood where people were coming from because of styles and all that type of stuff, that the AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels comparisons were just a little bit too unfair. Because AJ Styles is a moves guy. Like, that guy does fucking moves. And, like, he's almost flawless, like never fought. I don't think I've ever seen AJ Styles get a you fucked up chant in the 20th years I've, I've watched this man wrestle, right? The man is just a flawless entering competitor. The same could be said for Shawn Michaels, but the thing of what makes Shawn and AJ so different is Shawn is the best physical storyteller I've ever seen. And AJ Styles is not that. He's never been that. He's been a guy that's phenomenal. He's a guy who just does stuff that nobody else could do. And that's great. But what makes Shawn Michaels great, and what makes Shawn Michaels the most emulated wrestler of his generation, is that physically, he told stories with his body, with his facial expressions, with his mind. Like, the best moments of AJ Styles' matches 
are like when he gets his finisher out of nowhere or like a, a phenomenal forearm out of nowhere or whatever. I mean, you could right? say the like, same thing great. about the super kick. Shawn of Michaels. course. But but your point is well but made. But to me, but to me, the best parts of Shawn Michaels' matches are when are when he's absolutely has nothing left to give. Totally. And it's like, and he's just like, oh my God, this guy's gotten the shit cat, kicked out of him. He's been absolutely spent. He plays dead better than anybody. Like one of, I think the greatest, of the one of my favorite matches of all time is the, the first Hell in the Cell match. And it's yes. not just because the Undertaker beat him to a pulp and he had to figure out. It's that like the premise of the, like you went in saying uh, Shawn Michaels has no chance. Has and no it's chance. not this silly like, oh, this dude's scared of being in a cage. It's like, this, he's really outmatched here, man. This is yeah. not going to work. Yeah. And so, yeah. they, and then he gets his ass handed to him. And then they they do, he does a pretty compelling job of like trying, like figuring out some just little shit around the margins he can do to gain an advantage. And the good thing about a steel cage match is doesn't favor Sean, but it kind of does because he get because it, you know one or two little things can change the can turn the tides. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love that match. And the best parts about it are how just like totally destroyed he is. I love I, I, my, my favorite Shawn Michaels match for a long time was uh, Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, Dude. and the moment that stands Dang. out isn't necessarily like the back and forth. It's when Kurt Angle has beat the snot out of him and he's grabbing Shawn Michaels by the face like, why won't you quit? Just die. Just die. Yeah. Just die. And then boom, kick to the face. And everybody's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's because he works up that moment of like being uh, having the absolute last gasp effort that comes with physical storytelling. And it's almost unfair to compare a lot of people to Shawn Michaels, man, because he's not remember oh, the super kick. Of course. Yes. Sweet shit music, legendary mm-hmm. finisher or whatever. He's not remembered for moves, man. He's remembered for physical You're storytelling right. and bringing you there. So You're yeah. right. The, the uh, AJ Shawn comparison's got to stop. Okay. Well, that's d- dueling hot takes. Uh, we, we got mm-hmm. one or two more. What we got? What we got, Curve? Yeah, we got two more. Kaz, this one's for you. Seth Rollins, man. Give us the take. Let it fly. Seth Rollins. Um man, okay, let's think let's think about this. I believe Seth Rollins is going to be It's not even that hot of a take, but I truly believe that Seth Rollins needs to be a guy that helps carry one of those world titles. Sooner rather than later. I think what he's doing right now, though, not saying that the world title thing is the hot take. The hot take right now is Seth is like the gatekeeper of greatness in WWE. Like all the stuff that we say about the Shaw, the, 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 the AJ Styles, the Shawn Michaels, the Kenny Omegas. All of these like guys who are just completely like always in the running for best wrestler on the planet or whatever. Seth has become much more of a kingmaker than anybody on the roster. And I almost feel like that work that he's been doing, making stars out of people, is more important than any title he can ever hold. Which is why I don't mind that he his U.S. title reign was short. I'm hoping that he does not win this title back from Austin Theory. And I think all year long, really the past two or three years, think about all the people he's put on. Buddy Mm -hmm. Murphy, 
Dominic Mysterio, Austin Theory. I mean, Cody Rhodes. I mean, Cody Rhodes was already on, but like you needed somebody to be able to come in day one and make him look like a star. Seth Rollins, man, I don't think he gets enough credit as far as like for some reason when you bring up these conversations of like guys like Will Ospreay and and Kenny Omega and all these guys. Like I think it's because he's been so ingrained in the WWE style and making other guys look great. Yeah. Nobody can do WWE style better than him. I have a hotter take for you. And I'm just going to say it and then we can get out. Just make people mad. All right? (laughs) Okay. Strictly for the purposes of hot taking. Seth Rollins is going to go down as a bigger legend than Roman Reigns. Ooh, that is a that is Explain. a hot take. I do not agree with at all. If so Roman Reigns functionally, if Roman Reigns functionally retires in the next year, okay. right, he'll come back for big matches. But if he's kind of done doing the day in day out, and Seth keeps at it for a decade. I, I think it's totally within range. Okay, I'll put it like this. I see what you're saying. I think Seth Rollins could definitely be more influential. I think Seth Rollins, when I think, oh, okay, all right, boom. I see where, I, I see where you're at now, right? Yeah. Roman Reigns is, for lack of a better comparison, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Seth Rollins is Ric Flair. Seth Rollins is Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Seth Rollins is the wrestler's wrestler, right? Yeah. Like, Roman Reigns and you is give him a couple of titles. You give him a couple of big titles. I mean, if he, if he gets the opportunity to run the title yeah, and and, yeah, and yeah. earns it, you know, I mean, and deserves to be and is the top guy, I think it's totally within range. I think it's totally reachable. All right, let's do. Let's move on to the next one. We got to keep trucking. Karim, one more. We got one more. Yeah, one one more. And I actually saved this one for myself. Oh. <laughs> uh, this take is on Ronda Rousey. Um, and so, <laughs> I'm mad we all made the same sound. <laughs> so, you know, I think we can all say, you know, Ronda Rousey's title reign hasn't been the greatest success. Um, well, multiple reigns this year, seeing that she lost its live and got it back, yep. uh, hasn't been the most successful reign. And it's easy to look at the fact that, you know, in matches, she has botches. She has, doesn't have the most interesting promos. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she just frankly doesn't seem like she's that interested in being a great professional wrestler. But my mm-hmm. take is these two reigns that haven't been the most entertaining, it's not all Ronda's fault. So you disagree, so you disagree with the hashtag fire Ronda Rousey, uh, that was, that was, that was, um, trending the other day. So I'm not going to say I agree or disagree. I understand where it's coming from. I just, I listed my issues with, with Ronda, but. It's not her fault. If you look at the SmackDown women's roster compared to Raw's, oh. you look at the fact they lost Sasha Banks and Naomi. Uh, and Charlotte. And Charlotte. Mm. There just isn't an, enough players in that ballpark to make it interesting. Like, you look at Raw. You got Bianca Belair. And then under her, you have two well-established former women's champions. And under that, you can even look at Asuka and Alexa yeah. Bliss, Rhea Ripley. They just have all these interesting characters. And then yeah. you look at SmackDown. Can you guys name? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a casual. Y'all are the real heads. <laughs> Give me three real serious people that you can look at and be like, oh yeah, that's a SmackDown Women's Champion. They've, they've run through them. It's funny because it's like they, it's, it's like they decided Ronda Rousey's such a big star that we need to 
that we can sort of weight the rest of the women's division onto Raw, right? We right. put all the other big stars on there, but it's exactly backwards. And she's not and that guy. And, and it wouldn't shock me if at the, I think they're going to do the draft after WrestleMania next year. It wouldn't shock me if the draft totally redoes it. What you need is to build the entire division around Ronda to the extent that like, you need to give, have like four top flight opponents lined up. You just, you just mentioned them, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you got to put Asuka there. You got to put, Rhea? Yeah, Rhea. Asuka, uh, Rhea. Um, it depends on who, if, you know, working face and heel. I would love to see Bailey and Ronda go at it. I would, you know, maybe you could do a little Ronda uh, and Shayna versus damage control thing. You just, But you got to give her people that you can work with because, um, you know, a lot of the people they have producing the women's matches in WWE are supremely talented and do a really good job. But Ronda Rousey is still not in one size fits all producing category, right? And match building category. She still needs to have a match built to her strengths. And I think that that you gotta have, you gotta put her in there with 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 opponents who know how to work the crowd top to bottom, know how to listen, know how to adjust on the fly, know how to make a match really work. And she's not been given everything that, that she should. Not everybody can be everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, Oh God, I just thought of an example that I probably shouldn't make. But there've been a lot of times where, where people that we look at as legends, you need that, you need a run where people are helping you become that legend, right? You, and 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 yeah, sure, if you want to say she deserves it, I, I think they could definitely make that work. Yeah, I feel like the uh, this current Ronda run on SmackDown, I think they were, they, they, they trusted her a lot. I think they trusted her with being like, yo, you're such a big star in the women's division that you just, like, as long as we have you, everybody that you go up against is going to be bigger just by proximity, right? Like, so, off the top of my head, SmackDown's women's roster, I think almost more than half of those folks were in NXT this time last year. Talking about Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, for sure. Talking about Shotzi. Talking about uh, Aaliyah. Uh, I mean, Liv Morgan is probably, like, the elder statesman of, of those folks. And she's a one-time SmackDown women's champion. You know, I think I get the idea. I think what they were trying to do was being yeah. like, yo, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make raw the women's wrestling show because Romans, the orbit of Roman is going to be hard to displace. Right. And when I think of raw, even though the story is, you know, Seth and, Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley, who's the face of Raw? The real face of Raw is Bianca Belair. Like, she main events most of the shows. She starts most of the shows. She's the biggest star on the show. So, also on that roster, you got Becky Lynch. You got Asuka. You got Alexa Bliss. You got Damage Control. You got Bailey. Like, it's a lot of people there that take up a lot of space. I think what they were counting on with this Ronda run is being like, Ronda is such a popular mainstream celebrity that she's decided, yo... I'm going to not just do the pay-per-views. I'm going to work the SmackDowns. I'm going to do open challenges. I'm going to wrestle every single match. I'm going to be a fighting champion. And I think the idea with her fighting championship reign before they kind of turned her heel was to kind of elevate and be the rising tide that lifts all ships for these women, you know? And even though Shayna is pretty uh, established as well, I I think this it remains to be seen if that experiment has kind of worked because there has been no Charlotte, there has been no Sasha Banks. And I think maybe the WWE 
might have overestimated the star power of Ronda Rousey. I think maybe in 2017, 2018, 2019, yeah. She's one of the most popular women's athletes in the world. She's in the same vein as Serena Williams and, and, and Sue Bird, like whoever you could think uh-huh. of, she was right there. But 2022, not so much. No. Not so much. Like, she's not that big. Like, I don't... Well, She's not as big as a star as Bianca right now. You're saying, you know not what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to earn it as a pro wrestler. Yeah. Not even know? as a pro wrestler. I think even just in mainstream media, like Ronda Rousey, yes, you are a UFC Hall of Famer and all that and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, there's but, a, but this is what I mean. As a di- There's a difference between Brock Lesnar, who could lose a million UFC matches, but still looks like the scariest person you've ever seen. He looks like a comic book movie, like a Marvel Universe villain. Right, right, right. And Ronda Rousey, and just and, and literally almost everybody else in the world, who no matter what your credentials are, if, you're, if, you're, if your rep is, I'm a champion, I'm a fighter, guess what? You got to keep going out there and fighting and earning it, night in and night out. You know, I and mean, also, you still have big uh, name recognition, but... You gotta you, you gotta keep earning it. Yeah, I don't and, and honestly, I don't know how much it, uh, this fact is into it, but like even the UFC still mentions Brock Lesnar with great reverence. Like they're still mm-hmm. like, yo, like the dude well, came in the, as the, a professional wrestler. He was tied for the most heavyweight title defenses until until uh, what Stipe beat until it for Stipe a long broke time. It. So yeah, um, and on top of that, he was you know. But you're right. One of the, I, I don't think Ronda's looked listen, at with the same reverence because listen, like since I she's left, I, I speak about Brock with great reverence too because I don't ever want to see him and have him look at me sideways. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean just just in, in the name of the, of the sport and what what no, Ronda's right. main thing you're was right. when she left, there was no Amanda Nunes, there was no Holly Holm, there was none of these incredibly badass women who have since not just overtaken Ronda's status as one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, but I've far surpassed it. So I think things Holly like Holm that. Holly Holm beat the, her. Holly Holm Holly beat Holm, her. Holly Holm beat her. And then Amanda Nunes beat her. And Amanda Nunes went on to this incredibly record-breaking, oh, 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 okay. you know, re- record-breaking yeah, run right. as one of the top women's fighters on the planet. That's so who WWE needs, man. Let's get offer Amanda Nunes that, like, 20-year deal. Hey, man. Hey. That, that, uh, that Mark Henry deal. Someone, I know someone will be upset about that. We'll interrogate that more in the next installment of Kaz Breaks News in the middle <laughs> of a totally different segment. That'll be coming at you next week. All right, we got to get out of here. Let's do this a little bit, a tiny bit of sell or no sell before we go. Let's do it. In case you don't know, sell means you love it. No sell means you hate it. Um, all right, here's what we got. Number one, shockingly returning Hangman Page is taken on John Moxley. Uh, how do you feel about this feud? I'm no selling it, man. Uh, Adam Whoa. Page. Is, Adam Page is a nice guy. He's a he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. <laughs> like when he came out, man, and like I know as much as AEW loves him, um, and as talented as he really is, uh, I just it's hard for me to kind of see. It. He's his he hasn't had a good year, man. Like he kind of been was was kind of yeah, stomped that, out true. like a goober as the world champion. The CM Punk stuff didn't really help him. You know, when he finally when it was finally time to kind of rehabilitate him, he unfortunately got hurt during the Moxley match. Like he's just not has not had a good year. Like he is not in the place that I thought he would be this time last year. And uh unfortunately for him, I mean, I guess, you know, this is probably another story or another part on the Adam Page rehabilitation tour. Uh, but I'm just not interested in him at the moment. He's got to do... Maybe that'll change in the next few weeks. That brawl that started the show wasn't really doing anything for me. He hasn't had a good year. He's got to step it up, man. 
Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, Stokely Hathaway with a lot of a lot of Stokely news. Uh, Stokely Hathaway says that the firm got really screwed up because uh, they were supposed to who the person they were supposed to be feuding with is no longer with the company. People are reading that to be CM Punk. Um, let's just do the firm's future in AEW. Sell or no sell. This is going to sound so anti-AEW. I'm no-selling the firm, but I'm big-selling Stokely Hathaway. You know I'm a big Stokely Hathaway supporter and fan. Um, I feel for guys like Will Morrissey, who I feel like could have been given something a little bit better, and it just kind of feels like he's been snake-bit a lot. Uh, Ethan Page is Ethan Page. I think he's highly entertaining. Uh, But that group, that collective, um, not really being part of MJF, I'm assuming, you know, if the story was what the story was going to be with MJF returning, being sort of their protector against Punk and his people, I'm sure that story makes a lot more sense. And the yeah, whole Yeah, the Ass Boys feuding with FTR makes a lot more sense too. Yeah, they had like a whole, you know, they had a whole Ocean's Eleven sort of plan to like pretty much hijack the, the, the AEW championship. And because of what happened at All Out, it all kind of... Went to shit, yeah, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I got to no-sell that one, too, man. Damn. Damn. Um, I love the name, though. Big fan of the firm. Nas, Foxy, Nazy. <laughs> all right, last one. Braun Breaker and Apollo Crews have a diner table sit-down on the latest episode of NXT, Sell or No Sell. A very relatively cordial, so negative. Michael man. Mann's heat style sit down <laughs> conversation. Did you like it? Uh, it? It was different. It was different. Oh, this um, is all no sells for Kaz this week. I'm not selling it. Man. I sell the uh, hell out of that. I loved it. I you loved did? it. You did. Yeah, yeah, I, love I mean, Apollo first of all, Cruz. this is this is where we should be trying new and interesting things. Yes. Right? Okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay. In that case. For it being new and different and interesting, yes, I will sell it sparingly. But uh, it just kind of feels like I don't know if NXT has properly built up a, a, a viable challenger for the NXT championship. And Braun Breaker is is a weird character, right? He's a very weird character. Like, it's like I mean, obviously the reference here is Heat, right? I mean, with with Pacino and De Niro sitting down, it would be like if you know De Niro quit. The first day on set, and they replaced him with um, Gilbert Gottfried or something. It's like I'm still under Michael Mann's tutelage. I'm sure this could still be a great scene, but it's just a very different scene. I saw you wrestle against Von Wagner. <laughs> it's the first time you didn't have the strength advantage. Oh, I what? had no idea what? this what was in thinking? there. <laughs> what? What do you think is gonna happen? At NXT deadline. <laughs> no, that, Guys, that a terrible Gilbert guy. We do a lot of fake unplanned stuff on this show. This was not one of those times. Um, we got to get out of here. I'm just going to end on that. Gilbert yeah. or Kaz, do you want to get your plugs in on the way out the door? Yeah, man. Uh, say less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie every Monday on YouTube.com slash Kazim. If you're in the New York City area tomorrow night at Sony Hall, Myself, Loki, and Rosie will be live at Sony Hall opening up for uh, Rory and Maul's uh, live podcast show. It's sold out, but uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of content and appreciate you guys for supporting the show as well. Uh, you can catch me on MSG Networks doing Inside the Lines of FanDuel, MSG PM as well. 
MSG BetCast uh, also. And um, you can catch me right here on the Masked Man Show. You can find me here. You can find me on the Press Box. You can find me on the Book of Wrestling. Um, I hope you're enjoying this new setup we got going on the Ring of, Ring of Wrestling Show feed. It's still evolving. We got to think a final announcement to make next week. But I got a little teaser for you. Check Ooh. out Rosenberg's Friday show, Friday Cheap Heat tomorrow. He's got a very special guest sitting down for a full episode interview. And it might get a little loosey. I'll just say that Ooh, much. Okay. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. You know, Wait, I'll that wasn't even a good enough tease. This is the best possible version of what you're thinking of right now. The person <laughs> that you want this to be more than anyone else. All right? All right. Anyway, thanks as always to our wonderful babyface producer, John Kerma. Uh, apologies and bon voyage to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, Humanoids. Peace.